So we're going to continue in Mark today. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, this sermon series over the past several weeks, and I think it's just because it's, it's simply Jesus. It's all about uh, the Lord. It's just simply Him. There's nothing added to it. It's just the Lord. We see Him moving. We see Him in action. We see Him teaching uh, and, and healing and, and giving authority to His disciples and just really doing some incredible things. And so I hope that you're seeing more and more of who He is, uh, discovering more and more uh, about what He's done, what He's promised, what, what He's capable of, and I do pray that, that we're all coming to know Jesus Christ uh, more and more in our time together. That's what it's all about. Our text for the day is found in Mark 6, um, chapter 6. We'll start in verse 30. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and be turning there. If you've got your smartphones or whatever you carry your Bible on, we will not have the, uh, the verses on the screen behind me um, for no other reason other than maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I think there's something great about us sitting there uh, with a Bible in our lap. And uh, I think that's something that we need to teach our children, something I want to teach my kids. You know, grab your Bible before you come to church. I can still remember as, as a little kid, you know, getting in the car and we're all coming to church. And mom says, did you grab your Bible? And I didn't. I have to run back in and get it because uh, she wanted us, my parents wanted to train us to, to know where things were found in the Scriptures and to follow along. So if you'll follow along in your Bibles, that would be great this morning, Mark 6. Uh, we've got, I've got a slide here to show you. We're going to talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000. I've got, I found this, uh, this, this slide. I believe it's a, you had that comic, that comic slide up there. There, there it is. This is Jesus about feeding the 5,000. says, it's a miracle. Over 5,000 are served. You can see the sign there. And then somebody's saying, he thinks the sign's a bit much. You know, this comic strip kind of highlights the humility of Jesus kind of in a humorous way, as Jesus at this point in his, in his ministry had, had really become a star. He had really reached celebrity status. The crowds were crazy around him. Uh, he was a major celebrity. But we're going to see a little bit later that Jesus didn't act like a modern day celebrity. He sets himself apart in every way. In this feeding of the 5,000, this is a, a classic Jesus miracle. Right, that the power of God in the flesh is, is on display. And this is well known to Christians and non-Christians alike. I think if we played the uh, Family Feud, in the popular game show Family Feud, and we polled 100 people and we said, name a miracle of Jesus, I have to believe that no doubt the feeding of the 5,000 would be uh, up there in the top five. There's a, a lot of people know this miracle. But I pray that we're going to see today there is much more to this story. There's much more to this miracle uh, than, than maybe most of us have grasped. And, and as I studied and I prepared and I prayed about today, I, the Lord just gave me some stuff that hit me between the eyes. I mean, it just really knocked me down. So I pray that as we read through this today, as we talk about this, uh, that, that the Lord will speak to you in a new way. Uh, that, that, that there will be some fresh manna fall in this place today as we look at the Word. Just some context before we start. This is the only miracle of Jesus' earthly ministry that is located and found in all four of the Gospels. And they all kind of put a different spin on it, especially John. John includes the, the story that it was a young boy that brought uh, the bread and the fish. Uh, but this story is found in all four of the Gospels. 
the disciples had just returned uh, from their, their ministry tour. The, the New Living Translation said that they'd returned from their ministry tour. And I love that translation. It makes it sound like the, the disciples were the Beatles or something. They'd been preaching the good news of the kingdom. They'd been calling people back to God. Calling them back to repentance. Teaching the kingdom. But they'd also been demonstrating the kingdom in powerful ways. They've been teaching with authority. They've been healing. They've been given authority over impure spirits, driving out demons, serving and loving the people of God, teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God, the message that Jesus had given them, not just to teach, but to show and to live out. They've been given authority by the ultimate authority. Authority to do things that they did not believe were possible. And that's going to become super important as we work through this text today. They've been given authority to do things they didn't think were possible. And now they're back. And they're all pumped up. And they're ready to to tell Jesus all about what happened. They're they're wanting some time alone with Jesus. We're going to work through four things here rather quickly before we get into kind of our role in this story. And so we're about to read. I want us to, to note four things. You can write them down in, in, there in your outline if you'd like. Four things about the Son of God uh, in this story. In Mark 6, starting at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all that they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He, Jesus, said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The first thing today to note about Jesus is His invitation. His invitation, come with me, come away with me to a quiet place. Church, don't you just love that invitation? The invitation that Jesus gives each one of us. He says, just just come with me. Simply, I'm the Son of God. I can care for all your needs. I love you. I just want you to come away with, with me. I believe that's an invitation uh, that haunts us and it haunts me every day in the midst of all that I think I've got to get done myself. Amidst all of the distractions, all of the obligations, all of my duties, whatever's going on, Jesus beckons me, beckons you, come away. Come away with me. Come away with me and, and get rest. Get to a quiet place. And unfortunately, I don't take up that invitation often enough. But Jesus desires that rest for us. He desires that renewal. And I know, and and, and you probably do too, that when I'm not taking that time to to go away, to leave this world behind with with all of its worries and all of its cares and and, and go away and be with Jesus, I'm not an effective person. I'm not a, a very good father. I'm not a very good husband. I'm not a good minister. I'm not a good friend. I know that I cannot lead students or my family to a deep place if I have not gone and been there myself with the Lord. So that's the first thing today. His invitation, come with me to a quiet place. We'll continue in verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Remember, Jesus is a celebrity. Now His disciples are celebrities by association. People recognize Him. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion 
on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. This notion that the, the people of Israel were like a sheep without a shepherd would have been a major indictment against the religious, leacher, re- religious leaders and teachers of the law and the scribes. Because there were plenty of them to go around. So many, in fact, that there was kind of a platoon system. Remember Zechariah, when he's called to burn incense in the temple, he, it was probably his only time in his life that he got to go and do that before the Lord. There were so many. There were so many to go around, but the problem is that they were not focused on the right things. Jesus looks and He sees a crowd who is hungry. Not just physically, but but spiritually. People with nobody to care for them. Nobody to offer them spiritual nourishment. And again, this is largely due to the fact that the religious leaders were not doing what they were meant to do. They're focused on all the externals and what what they could see. Jesus is focused on something completely different. And so he jumps right into taking care of the hungry, and he begins to teach them, taking care of their spiritual needs. But he doesn't stop there. And he couldn't have blamed the Son of God if he had, if he just sent them away after a rousing sermon. I mean, really give them some great spiritual nourishment and, and, and kind of sent them on their way. But we're talking about the Son of God here. We're talking about one who gives out of his abundance. And he serves and he blesses the people. He's the good shepherd. And he sees to it that his people have everything they need, that they are never in want. And I love what happens next. Follow in verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. And they said, this is a remote place. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a year, than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, we got five loaves. And we've got two fish. The disciples want to send the crowds away. And it's hard to know, just in reading this text, what their motivation was. We don't know, are they really concerned? Are they really seeing the people with the same compassion that Jesus sees? Do they really care for their needs? Or or has it been such a just a long ministry tour, like we said they've been on, and they just really wanted to get away and be with the Lord, just to have Him to themselves? Now, we, we don't really know. We can't just cast accusation. But regardless of what their motive was, Jesus says something that absolutely floors them. He says, you give them something to eat. And look, there's 5,000 people here. 5,000 men. I don't even, even count the, the children, the women. There's a ton of people. How are we going to do that? And they thought he was joking. Or at least crazy. And, they, and somehow they feel the need to remind him what that would take. Imagine, telling the Son of God what's needed to feed a crowd that size. And they actually give him a figure. They give him a figure. And and, and church, listen, that that figure today, for them, represents what they can see from an earthly perspective. What they can see with a, a natural, logical, practical perspective or viewpoint. But Jesus wants to remind them of their authority. He wants to remind them of their responsibility. 
their mission. So after Jesus lets them know, hey, I was was serious, I, I wasn't making a joke, they take inventory and they round up this small amount of food, a very small amount, and it's all they have to bring. I want to pause and ask you today, who in your life has fed you when you were spiritually hungry? Who in your life are you pouring into, feeding the nourishment of wisdom and biblical counsel? And who might the Lord be asking you to feed? That could be a physical need, that could be a spiritual need, but who is the Lord asking you today to feed? We'll go on in verse 39. His supply. In verse 39, Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. His supply says that they all ate and they were satisfied. Miraculously, Jesus takes this small offering and he multiplies it into something that they never could have imagined. That 5,000 hungry men alone are fed. Jesus blesses the gift. He He gives thanks to the giver of all good things. And people have everything they need. The good shepherd comes through. Once again, Jesus is enough. In fact, remember the leftovers. Jesus is more than enough. Church, that's something that we talk a lot about in here today. That's a lot. We sing about it, this notion that Jesus is enough. We sang it today and all to us. Jesus, you are all to us. You are everything we need. We proclaim that all the time, but I want you to take a moment this morning to really rest and meditate on that declaration that Jesus is enough. Do you really believe that this morning? That Jesus is enough. Is Jesus everything? Or is He merely an ingredient to the life you've always wanted? Is Jesus the, the main course on your plate, but, but something you feel like needs a little, maybe a little spicing up? With something else that you just really don't feel like you could do without. I I recently heard a great definition of the word idol. You've perhaps heard this too. That an idol is anything in your life that you feel you couldn't live without. But for me, I, I desperately want to be in the place where I know my only satisfaction. The only satisfaction that counts is found in Jesus. That if you stripped my life of everything else, just laid me bare, but but you gave me Jesus, that that would be enough. I I, want to be there so bad every day. Some days I feel like, yeah, Jesus is enough. And then some days I feel like, no, I've got to add something else over here. And I've got to pour a little salt on over here. Something that I really don't feel like I could do without. Is Jesus enough? Hear the word of the Lord in Isaiah 55. 
Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. It's Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. So I ask you today, church, who or what have you looked to in the past week, month, a year, to satisfy a need that only Jesus can meet? I believe we do it all the time. We go searching, seeking, like, like Solomon. I mean, he, he opened every door looking for satisfaction in life and everything but the Lord. And it got burned in the end. Jesus is more than enough. I want to do more than just proclaim that with my lips. I want to know that in my heart and live it in my life. You know, this is a great miracle that, pound, that, that points to the power of Jesus, but there's more to this story. And this is what we'll kind of finish up with, maybe if you don't remember anything else. Grasp your role in this story. You know, look at the headline again. I couldn't dress it up too much. I thought, what would the headline say? And I just settled on the rabbi and his disciples feed thousands. But if you look in your Bible, there in your lap in that subheading, it doesn't say that. It says Jesus feeds 5,000. But I can send today that it was Jesus and his disciples. Now here's something for, for those of you this morning that, that love math. And I, I loved math as a, as, a, as a child and up through part of high school. Uh, and, and then when I had to take calculus, I, I realized that the devil invented it. That it was all a result of the fall. And, um, but today I want to give you um, an equation that I think can speak to all of us. Write this down. Our gift offered in love plus the presence of Jesus equals supernatural provision. That's it. Our gift, your gift, my gift offered in love plus the presence of Jesus, His power equals supernatural provision. In our story today, the miracle of provision came with the power and presence of Jesus at work in the offering of the disciples. It's no different today. When we bring what we have to Christ, no matter how little it might be, no matter what we give out of our abundance or our poverty, like Paul prayed earlier, because we love the Lord and His people, because we share in His burden for the hungry, Jesus receives it, and He touches it, and He blesses it, and the result is supernatural provision. We begin to see and experience what we previously thought was impossible. Church, today, the presence of Jesus changes what is possible. Amen? Some of us are a little frightened by that word. Supernatural. Because it represents what we can't see with our eyes. We think if we can't see it with our eyes, if we can't reason through it with our minds, then we don't believe it's real. We desperately need this morning to have the eyes of Jesus Christ to be able to see as He sees. 
The disciples in today's story need to see that because of the presence of Christ, they are able to do things that they never thought were possible. That only the limits of their vision will keep them from accomplishing what God has purposed for them and through them in Jesus Christ. A favorite author of mine, um, John Eldridge, you may be a John Eldridge fan, you may not care for him, but he says this, and I believe it's true. The particular foolishness of the church in the past century was reason above all else. The result has been a faith stripped of the supernatural, the Christianity of tips and techniques, the common sense life, which, as Oswald Chambers warned, can be the enemy of the supernatural life. Many of the ministries and churches I've known made their decisions by principles and expedience. We have our morals and we have our precepts, but where is the living God? How will we hear Him call us out of Ur, lead us to our own promised land, bring us through our own Calvary? Where, church, is the living God? See, what is possible because of the presence of Jesus Christ, it begins with our offering given in love. This love is what motivates all that we do. This love is what separates us from the religious leaders and the Pharisees. Remember, Jesus said that your righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. That this love is that righteousness. Remember that Paul said, even if you have faith to move mountains, and certainly we're talking about faith today, Faith to see what we thought was impossible, now made possible because of the presence and power and touch of Jesus Christ. But remember that Paul says, even if you have faith to say to a mountain, move and jump, and it does, but you don't have love, then you're spiritually bankrupt. You have nothing. You are nothing. It takes our offering of love. We bring what we have, as little as it may be. But we bring out of our abundance, and we bring sacrificially. Church, don't hear me today saying that it's okay for you to give as little as you want, just in hopes that Christ will multiply it. Well, it doesn't matter because the power of Christ can, can take what little I give, and He can make it into something great. We're not off the hook. Remember, Jesus gave Himself abundantly, and He calls us to do the same. In a day where the average Christian gives 3% of his income to the church, we desperately need to hear... And be reminded of the generosity of Jesus Christ. So how might the Lord want to multiply your offering for His glory? Or the good of the kingdom of God? What could you give Him today that He could use for supernatural provision for somebody else? Again, this is not for your personal benefit or, or, or your portfolio. This is for the good of the kingdom. It's for the hungry around you. This is why we give. And we see the Lord multiply that. We're not preaching health and wealth today. A couple years ago, when, when, when and you've heard me talk on this very stage about, and maybe you're tired, I talked about my, my family and my daughter Grace and that story of adoption and, and when Crystal came to me and said, we, we need to do this. I think the Lord's calling us to this. I said, there's no way. 
And I saw with very natural eyes. And I saw from a very logical viewpoint. And I thought, it's just impossible. There's no way. There's, I mean, we've, we've, we've got these these kids and we've got this, this income on our ministry and, and it just, you know what an adoption costs and there's just no way that could happen. And she just begged me to have faith. And, and, and you know that we saw what, what very little we brought, what very little we could. We saw the Lord multiply that over and over and over again. Not just materially, and it did cost money to bring our daughter home. But just in the blessing of people who have surrounded her in this church, who's just taken her up in their arms and loved her as family. We've just seen this. We've seen the Lord take what little we can bring, what little we have to offer, and just say, Lord, we can't, we can't see what you may turn this into. And he, but He's done it. And he will continue to do it. Even now we find ourselves in circumstances where I just think there's no way. There's no way the Lord could call us to that. But he calls us to bring what we have and to let him touch it and mold it and use it and bless it and eventually multiply it for the good of the kingdom of God, for his glory. The fact is, we're always being asked, church, we're always being invited, commanded to bring what we have, to submit it to the Lord for His glory. The arm of the Lord is not too short. If we will now trust Him, we will see whether or not what He says will come true for us. Numbers 11. The arm of the Lord is not too short. So I'm closing today. I want us to get personal. I want us to apply this. What is the Lord asking you to bring Him today for His glory? For somebody else's good? What opportunities? What possessions? What blessings? What resources has He given you to bring that He might multiply in your life to do something that you never thought before was possible? He is more than enough. And He is able. And because of Jesus, this is the last thing you can write down, because of Jesus, because of the power of His presence within us, there will always be enough. There always will. In Jesus Christ, there will always be enough. Enough of everything we need. And don't take my word for it. The word of the Lord, Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory that are found in Jesus Christ. Again, that, 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 it's right there. Because of Jesus Christ, because of His presence, because He is real, because He is active and powerful, my God will meet all of your needs. Not just some, not just a few, but every one of your needs will be met in Jesus Christ. I love that truth. Our gift offered in love plus the presence and power of Jesus Christ equals supernatural provision. Let's pray. Lord, we beg this morning that you would give us eyes to see. To see the immensity of the needs around us. To see the hungry. But also to see and recognize the greatness of you, God, to recognize your ability 
to provide for all of our needs. Lord, we beg you to fill our hearts today with compassion. Compassion that your son, Jesus Christ, had on that mountain, on that desert, and still has for us today. And that, Lord, you would fill us with a faith to bring all of ourselves to all of you. And to let you touch and multiply what is rightfully yours for the sake of your glory and kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. The church said, Amen. In our story today, the people who were fed contributed nothing to earn the bounty, to earn a seat at the feast of the Lord. And so that is with us today. This is the gospel of grace. You and I bring nothing to the table that merits our salvation. We bring nothing to the table this morning. We bring nothing to this front pew this morning. We bring nothing to the waters behind me this morning that merit us being in with the Lord. Yet He offers Himself to each one of us. And He offers Himself to you today. If you're here today and you never received the gift that is Jesus Christ, I beg you to do that today. Whatever your need is, once you come, as we stand and sing.